9.3. We have cleared the preseason, the exhibition <laughs> part of the schedule. Yeah, and we're now, calling it the preseason now, right? That's that's official. <laughs> and now we're on to a thrilling Big Ten conference game against Rutgers. <laughs> hey, 3-0 and Rutgers. Are they ranked? 3-0 and Rutgers. Are they ranked at all? Uh, no. Okay. They are not, but if they win this game, they probably will be, but they probably will not win this game. So this is the last Michigan-Rutgers division game. Oh. So given the way the Big Ten schedules is whenever anyone enters the conference, you get to play Michigan immediately. Right. And there's four teams entering the conference, so they're not going to do that all in one. But I figure this might be the last time we play Rutgers for a bit. And yeah. thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's back when, like, we—if you built a schedule with like Texas and Oklahoma in the um, in the preseason, right, in the non-conference season, then having a Rutgers to kind of warm up against is nice. Like, it still counts as a win. And like, when you're in a Big Ten where you know if you have the same number of wins as Penn State, and you know you like that, like these these things happen, right? And if like Penn State played yeah. Rutgers and we played USC, and we're tied, and like our only losses to Penn State, they get to go to the Big Ten championship, but we don't. Even though we have a win over, you know, a much better non non divisional opponent or what, or another. That's the thing. Rutgers made it easy. Rutgers is like a conference win. Sure. That that I mean, like it. It is. Uh, it is interesting that if you looked at this year's schedule, I said every game until Penn State was a must win. Uh huh. Part of that is because Michigan is, is, is in a, a peak roster year. But part of that is that the unless you draw, like, I was going to say Wisconsin, but then <laughs> it's just the, the West is sort of historically down. Yeah. And Michigan has, you know, three body bag games in the East now that it looks like Michigan State is going the way of the Dodo this year. And starting next year, the schedule is going to be radically upgraded. Yeah. For one, you have Texas in the non-conference. For two, they're probably going to draw USC. Yeah, they're going to keep the Ohio State game. Yeah, and, and, and I would I would not be surprised if Oregon or Washington is also on that schedule. Hmm. So the the marquee games will will tick up, and because it's a twelve team playoff, I think you might see college football move a little bit more towards the college basketball model, where it's not how many losses you have, but who you beat. So. Hopefully, this will be the last sort of season where teams are incentivized to schedule no one in the non-conference. And then with four teams more interesting than Maryland and Rutgers joining next year, should have more competitive football games. But Rutgers is up next. I guess we'll talk about their offense to start. Gavin Wimsat throws for 46 yards in a win over Virginia Tech last week. He's averaging... A 51% completion rate, 6.2 yards of completion. That 51% completion rate is sort of boggling when you see the throws that Wimsett is making because I'd say half of them are under five yards. <laughs> About right, yes. So, you know, he's capable of occasionally uncorking something. He was a four-star. He has the arm strength. There is a beautiful touch pass uh, as he was rolling to the sideline against Virginia Tech, but then he'll just throw a simple crossing route well wide of a receiver. Very erratic. Um, doesn't seem like he's likely to do much more than what Bowling Green was able to do. Maybe hit a fade or something down the field a couple of times. But consistently moving the ball through the air doesn't seem like it's in the cards. No, probably not. It's a 
multiple uh, piece issue the Rutgers passing game. It's not just Wimsat. They also have receivers that I think are uh, lackluster, might you say. Uh, last season, all of their receivers that we put on the diagram as starters for the Rutgers game have graduated and moved on. So they're dealing with a little bit of turnover there. And so he doesn't have a lot of guys that are open down the field. That's part of the problem. Uh, but it's also part of the problem that he's just not at that point yet. And I'm curious to see how the passing game changes against Michigan. I think that's one important point to make because these first three games that Rutgers has played were essential must-win games for them, right? Their goal this season is to get to bowl eligibility. Those three teams, Temple, Northwestern, and Virginia Tech, are games Rutgers has to win to get to a bowl game. And so when you have a pretty solid defense like they do, what's the thing you got to do to make sure you win those games? Don't turn the football over. And you saw this against Virginia Tech. As soon as they got an insurmountable lead, <laughs> the passing game was off the menu at that point. It was eradicated from the playbook. And so I'm curious to see how the approach changes in a game where they're the underdog and they have to take a few more risks because everything is built around the knowledge that Wimsat is still kind of the guy that threw three interceptions in the second half against Michigan last year. And that colors so much of the targets they make him uh, have, which are short stuff, close to the line of scrimmage. And it's what they can get by without him making a rough decision. Because if he throws down the field, is he going to read the defense correctly? And if he does, where's the throw going to end up? And that's the biggest question here. Well, he's still so young too. He's still 19. Yeah. He, he played as a true freshman, and I think for a chunk of his freshman, like a little slice of his freshman year, he was 17. Yep. So <clears throat> he's he's got a long way to go. He's got time to get there, but as this week's game, probably not going to be the uh, Gary Nova experience. Why did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> Came in like a wrecking ball. Uh, all right, all right, I, all right. I, uh, so with this offense, one, is, it's, it's very similar to like the Rich Rod, uh, what Rich Rod was trying to do with Denard. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Just one last point on the wide receivers. Their leading wide receiver this year in terms of yardage transferred from California University of Pennsylvania, (laughs) which rebranded, but I'm not, I I don't accept that rebrand. Like, it's still Twitter. I don't care. (laughs) But anyway, so California University of uh, Pennsylvania is in the same conference as Indiana University of Pennsylvania, the two most insanely named teams uh, in colleges in America. And you know who else is in that conference? Slippery Rock? Slippery Rock. Okay. <laughs> it's I a, a D2 conference. I have a favorite, though. So yeah. Their, their leading receiver this year in terms of yards came from a D2 conference. So seems a little bit like last year's Indiana line when they uh, they had a guy starting from West Texas A&M. Anyway, go ahead. So, uh, I'm, I'm saying the, the receivers on this team are probably the least important part. Johnny Langan's yeah. probably their, their top target. Um who's still there somehow after and trans- he will pick up three yards on every catch. <laughs> yes. That's that's your Johnny Langan guarantee. That's right. Johnny Langan is Johnny Langan and has been since the dark ages. Um, but like what they're trying to do is what Rich Rod would do with Rich, with, uh, with Denard in 2010. Obviously Gavin Wimsett is not Denard, but they're running QB power and they're using the running back uh, as kind of like a lead blocker. Um, and then they're running RPOs with us. And, but, you know Kirk Shirakwa. He's the he's the guy who was, he was at Minnesota. He went to Penn State, and he just and he went back to Minnesota, and he just went back to Rutgers. Or sorry, left Minnesota and went to Rutgers. 
and he, this is like the RPO guy of the Big Ten, right? Right. So I think well, that it, it what they're trying to do is RPO with him. I mean, that's it makes sense, right? Because Wimsett did rush for almost 90 yards against uh, Virginia Tech. He has pretty good athleticism. He's not Denard, but he is a big guy, and so he can take some contact. So if you're Rutgers, the most sensible thing to do when you're trying to win football games is to go full Denard. Yeah. And the passing game can kind of be a sidelight. Similar to what Alex was wondering about the Rutgers passing game, I do wonder if... Rutgers is looking at this game and being like, all right, <laughs> maybe we're not going to run Wimsett in this one very much because, you know, we want to get to a bowl. This is one <laughs> of the best teams in the country. We don't want, like, Wimsett is pretty much the whole store for them. I so kind of maybe... think they will because that's what um, Chiracqua does, right? That is that is how he right. operates is he needs the run and he needs to set up RPOs. And I think what I saw Virginia Tech doing was just saying, because, like, the RPO off of that QB power is the QB oh knows. You remember that? Like, where yes. the quarterback just pulls up as soon as the safety comes down. And so Virginia Tech just kept their safeties high all game and said, sure, we'll deal with your offensive line. And I think that that's going to be Michigan's approach, too. If you face an RPO team, you actually get to kind of select what their play calling is, at least between the run and the pass. So if they're going to run that, then they're just going to end up you know, running Wimsat into the line a whole bunch. And it's going to be up to Michigan's linebackers to activate when they see the running back and not go the wrong way, I guess. Uh, or at least defensive line to kind of close up those gaps and make sure that they can't just QB power all day if the safeties are going to be hanging back. Yeah, and that running back is Kyle Manungai. Rutgers has a sort of a strange tradition of always having a pretty solid running back. Uh, I mean, go back to Ray Rice. You know, Pacheco's in the league now. They they are able to dredge up a guy who can run the ball from that spot. And, and Manungai is it this year. Um, he's, I don't really have any takes on him, Alex. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's good, but I'm not. I I was surprised that he looked as solid. I don't know. He When I'd seen him in the past, it never really popped off the screen or anything, but he had a really nice game. Um, nothing incredible for me to say about him. I mean, he got really good blocking against Virginia Tech, which was reasonably surprising because Rutgers you assume doesn't have a good offensive line I think that might still be the case but Virginia Tech they're not Virginia Tech anymore we'll say that so <laughs> they really had a lot of success running the left side of the line the uh, left tackle there Holland Pierce had a nice game they put Johnny Lang in the tight end on that side and they just had a lot of success just crushing that side of the Virginia Tech line and being able to run off that left side and so that long touchdown run, for example, you you have all that space that Menungai is able to pick up. So I thought he looked pretty solid in that game. I also liked uh, Jay Sean Benjamin, the true freshman. He had a couple nice runs, but uh, Menungai is going to get the lion's share of the carries, barring an injury in the game. And again, he's pretty solid. He's got a lot of rushing yards this year, 350-something. It's top 10 in the NCAA but again, part of that's just the approach they have to the offense. And, you know, we talked about uh, on the Sunday show, I think Jamie was mentioning how many three three and outs and first down and outs Rutgers had against Virginia Tech, which was pretty startling giving their solid yards per play. But the thing was in this game, they got a couple long explosive plays on the ground and then a lot of stuff that didn't go for very much. But part of it you got the sense of is, again, that they weren't even really trying. 
third and 11. They just give it the ball to Manungai, and they're like, yeah, we're fine punting. We've got the lead. The game's over. <laughs> and, and then Virginia Tech doesn't so, have an edge. <laughs> they're like, oh, okay. they, they're not even bothering to, like, stop him. The, so, yeah, I so, mean, it's... Yeah. Let me describe Manungai from- quickly, okay? He's listed at five foot nine. He's probably five foot six. He's also listed at two hundred ten, and he looks like he's like one ninety or one eighty until he hits a guy, and that guy just goes flying. Like he's he's dense, he's compact, and like you know a little churny runner. Okay, uh, one concern from Michigan's point of view is that I believe Mason Graham is going to be out for this game. I think the first person I saw to officially report this after some rumors was Josh Henske on Rivals. Uh, so, reportedly, he's got a broken hand. He's going to miss a couple weeks and come back with a club. So, that means that Rayshon Benny steps up, Kenneth Grant steps up, Cam Good steps up. Um, hopefully, Michigan won't have much of a drop-off. Um, you know, One thing about Grant is like if Rutgers does find some success and is able to stay on the field a little bit, is he ready to play extensive snaps? Because when he plays, you know, 18, 20 snaps across the game, he's great. Right. He's also 340 pounds, a second-year player. So he might have some some issues uh, with getting tired. And then Benny is not quite at the level of those other guys. And yeah. neither, is, neither is Cam Good. So hopefully Michigan can hold up there, but that will be a concern. Uh, as far as the rest of the Michigan defense goes... They keep saying that the guys in the secondary are about ready to come back. So we saw Makari Page play last week. We saw uh, Will Johnson play two weeks ago, but not the previous week, and uh, still haven't seen Rod Moore. So that'll be, well, maybe not much of a concern against Rutgers. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> be where, where Rutgers, where Michigan's defense is banged up, I don't think Rutgers is well prepared to test because – the defensive interior of Michigan's line, I still am not really buying the Rutgers offensive line. They had some good moments against Virginia Tech, but at the end of the day, the guy I thought was the best player on the Rutgers line was the guy I thought was the weakest player on their line last year. And la- and then after last year, most of their offensive line graduated. And so it's a whole new group. And the, the player I was talking about, it was right tackle last year. Now they moved him over to left tackle. We just haven't seen them play a, a real defensive line. And we have enough track record built up to believe that Rutgers offensive line just probably isn't going to be very good. And likewise for Michigan secondary, this Rutgers receiving group just isn't dangerous and they're not going to throw vertically all that much. And, you know, there's as much chance if you throw at those receivers that they'll catch the ball as it is, that it'll bounce off their hands and, and to the defensive back. So it, it just doesn't feel like the week where, where that, area of Michigan's concerns are going to be tested that much. All right. Any, any last thoughts on the Rutgers offense? All right. Yeah. We're going to take a break, yeah. come back and talk about the other side of the ball. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. 
Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family reunion, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirt.com. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, Certified Financial Planner, Founder and President at Peak Wealth Management. Check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. When you're watching the game, everyone knows what the score is. But you might be at halftime of your career. Do you know what the score is? Are you winning or do you need to play catch up? If you're behind in the second half of your career financially, we may need to run a hurry up offense like John Navarre in the 2003 game at Minnesota or run a three-quarter court press after a made free throw like Coach Howard likes to call. My team of CFPs at Peak Wealth Management are here to help you understand what the score is and what you need to do to win. Your spreadsheet doesn't tell you the score like we can. If you're going to spend all your free time watching replays of the 2021-2022 Ohio State games on repeat, you need to outsource your financial planning and investing with us at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. At Peak, our goal is to help you retire with peak confidence. The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or app application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high quality and low latency communication functionality, video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute. They will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OGs. Original geeks of programmable communication. You don't have to say things you don't mean when you're with me. You don't have to say a thing. Welcome back to MGO Radio 9.3, entering Rutgers Week. We didn't forget the sponsors. We merely wanted to quarantine them from the Rutgers offense. <laughs> now that we're talking about the Rutgers defense, which may be a genuinely good unit, we will associate our sponsors with them. Thank you to Underground Printing for making this all possible. Check them out at ugpmichiganapparel.com or check out our selection of shirts on the mgoblogstore.com. We'd also like to thank our associate sponsors, Peak Wealth Management, Matt Demarest, Realtor and Lender, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grant, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Venue by 4M, Human Element, Widewood, Winewood Organics, and SignalWire, where we are live right now. Always weird that one of our ads has Snoop on it. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, like, that's like, wow, that's... Wire. They, I mean, they, I, I think that they, so these are the guys who actually invented um, uh, Zoom, and then they sold that and moved along into their own thing. So they, they know a bunch of people and they yeah. just call them up on oh, signal wire. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the Rutgers defense, uh, possibly a genuinely good unit. Uh, last year, 
my, the UFR of the offense was interesting because Aaron Lewis, the former Michigan defensive end who is here for a cup of coffee, uh, was an excellent pass rusher and then got absolutely paved by Carson Barnhart. So far, so good for him in particular. PFF likes him. He's, I think, on our Slack, he was noted he was like the third highest rated defensive end this year. Yep. Uh, so maybe he took a leap forward. Maybe he hasn't played anyone yet. Um, <clears throat> that matchup is going to be intriguing because, of course, Barnhart is back. Uh, and then they surround, I guess they don't surround a defensive end. Anyway, <laughs> they, uh, Greg Shiano has always been able to put together a defense out of spare parts, and now it actually seems like he's got decent talent. Yeah, decently so. I mean, I, I'm tempering expectations because this is a defense that last season was 57th in SP+. Um, a number of players are back. They have some new players. I think it might be a little bit better, but again, let's not sort of get our get ahead of ourselves. I think people have been hyping it up to sort of reaffirm that Rutgers is a decent team or at least one that um, is not, you know, the Chris Ash era, which I think was self-explanatory, but it is what it is anyway. I think that you look at this group, they have some really talented uh, players some players that are, you know, could find their way onto the all big 10 list. And Jamie mentioned them, I think on Sunday at all three levels of the defense. So Lewis at the defensive line has had a nice start to the season. I didn't see like a ton of incredible pass rush moments, but he just did a lot of stuff that helps you win games. You know, he, he had some plays against the run on the edge. He had a few pass rushes. He also just did things like, you know, spin off his blocker, get into space, track the quarterback down from behind. Uh, Virginia Tech had a really mobile QB, so there were some moments where Lewis was able to kind of do that. He had a great shoestring tackle on a two-point conversion where uh, the quarterback for Virginia Tech was trying to run it in himself. So it's just stuff like that. He, he really just popped up in all different moments of the game, inserting himself into those situations. And then Tyreen Powell, their linebacker, pretty good player. Uh, he had the most sort of clip-worthy plays that uh, I had for the Danger Man segment. And then uh, Flip Dixon, their transfer from Minnesota at uh, the safety spot, has had a nice start to his season, had a really nice-looking interception in the game uh, against Virginia Tech. So they've got some players at all three levels that are playing well. They have some other complementary pieces. I don't think they have, like, bona fide superstars that are going in the first round of the draft or anything like that, but... Again, this is a solid unit, but also playing Michigan, they're now going to play a team that's a lot better than any team they've played. I mean, Northwestern, I mean, Virginia Tech, uh, Temple are, are not to that level offensively. I guess it's worth going back and looking at last year's game because, of course, final score there is 52 to 17. Oh, wow. That was just a, a complete uh, blowout. But Rutgers leads at halftime. Michigan takes half the third quarter before they punch in a go-ahead touchdown on a 54-yard drive. And then three interceptions and four drives for Rutgers lead to touchdowns of 10 yards, 0 yards, and 31 yards. And if you go back and you look at J.J.'s line from this game last year, this was 13-27, of 27, a buck 51, 5.6 yards in attempt. Now, that was the game where McCarthy's receivers just were not helping him out. But it is worth noting that Rutgers was in position to make a Michigan uh, attempt a bunch of contested catches. So this could be sort of an acid test for the like, okay, if we throw it to Roman Wilson a bunch, he's going to be open a lot and it's going to be fine. Then Michigan ground him up for 282 yards on the, on the ground last year. 
but their ground game this year has been a little bit touch and go. They've been trying to do the outside zone stuff. So I, mean, I think if Michigan is able to put the hammer down on this Rutgers offense, I think that does mean something. If yeah, we, it's yeah. quite possible. I mean, the matchup we're inter- I'm very interested in is because last year you mentioned Carson Barnhart gave Aaron Lewis the business. Um, but, you know, the best way to defeat power is a Don Brown defensive end. Is like that 6'5", 265 kind of guy who is just impossible to move when you, you know, try to kick him out with a, with, with a guy coming around on power or counter. And if that's what Michigan's going to be doing, right, if they're going to be pulling – the guard and trying to knock the defensive end out of the way with that. And that's the running space they're going for. Uh, you know, is Aaron Lewis going to get pushed out of the way when that happens? Is he going to, you know, shut them down? Wesley Bailey is a similar kind of player on the other side too. This is the first team I think Michigan faces where that matchup, if they want to just go to power and bull guys down, that the, the defense actually has the size. They also have um, an offensive tackle, Mayan Ohatu, that Hayano uh, Ohatu, Hayano- Sorry, Mayan Ahanoto, <laughs> who they got from uh, Minnesota. Uh, he replaced Keontae Hamilton, who was a decent defensive tackle for them last year. So they have some – you didn't like the other tackle, though, Isaiah Eiton. I was wondering why. Oh, well, he just got – I mean, I, I think those defensive tackles are the weak spot of the defense as they were last year. Um, I It just happened to be that so far this season they've been – able to put up decent numbers against the run because the edges help out. They blitz a lot. So linebackers are in the box more and, you know, they get buy-in from all over, but Virginia tech really didn't have any problem on third and two, you know, blowing the defensive tackles three yards downfield and just plunging forward for the first down. And so, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how that develops, but that's the, that's the part I feel Michigan is most comfortable targeting in this game at least. Okay. And then you also didn't mention Bo Melton, who has no paintball incidents that I know of. So and that's it. That's this is Max Melton. Bo Melton. Oh, Max Melton. Max Melton. <laughs> Bo Melton was his brother. Yeah, Max Melton. Um, he's fine. I the other vulnerability that popped up is when Virginia Tech did throw down the field, which wasn't that often. There were two or three different plays where they targeted 30, 20, 30 yards down the field, and the receiver had a few steps on the corners and. So that's definitely something to to keep an eye on. All right. Any uh, thoughts on the Rutgers special teams before we uh, head out of here? They have a another break. They have a um, Aussie punter, Flynn Appleby, who is not an unstoppable punt god. Wait, wait, (laughs) Flynn Appleby, Flynn Appleby. That's 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 discrimination against Australians. That's that's. Well, no, when Can't he was born, that. that's what people that, that that was like a common name back in the 1800s when this guy came. I from. guess. Yeah. Um, I guess. I mean, he doesn't. He's he's an Aussie punter, so only seven percent of his punts get returned. But that was another big factor last year was special teams, right? The reason why uh, Rutgers was in that game, other than the freaking train noise that they put on there. Um, <laughs> I, I really do. I have I have ear, I have uh, hearing problems from that train, um, but the uh, in the, the special teams was just a complete murder. You remember they had that one punt where he should have been tackled in the backfield and he got the ball. Yeah. It was Adam Corsack, and, and he rescued another one that was uh, that was thrown to him badly. And then on the other side, you know, Michigan got one blocked and they got a touchdown out of that. And so that's why the game was so close. And I don't think that. Their special teams this year. Their uh, new kicker is Jai Patel. He's four for five. He kick, he's kicked a fifty-one yarder, so he's got some distance. But I don't think that. Um, and that was the game Jake Moody missed a bunch of his field goals too. So, like so that, here's a fun, yeah. 
Here's a fun fact about departed Adam Corsack. He was the third pick in the CFL draft. <laughs> that's that's wild. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he was Rutgers. He's the reason Rutgers was competing. Comp- oh, oh okay, okay. Yeah, so. All right, I'm sorry. So the CFL has a a global draft oh. for non-Canadian and non-American players. I see. I see. All right. So third pick in the CFL global draft, Adam Korsak, everybody. All right. We're going to take a break. Come back and uh, gimmicky top five. Is that, is that what's up next, Seth? I No, I think we're going to talk about UFR. We're going to talk about Bowling Green. Oh, that yes. That game happened. Right, yes. right. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president of Peak Wealth Management, your MGO financial coach. And it is our goal to help you retire with peak confidence. Check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Bo says the team, the team, the team. Lately, my mantra has been the plan, the plan, the plan. Check out the Trust the Plan podcast. Search out my name, Nick Hopwood, on any platform and give us a follow. You know, we haven't updated this ad in over two years because since the last versions went live, we only had one Big Ten loss. And honestly, I'm a little superstitious. But for this ad, I just want to give a shout out to all the loyal Wolverines and MGO blog fans who've reached out to us from as far as France, Japan, Seattle, San Francisco, Dallas, Florida, New York, and of course, all over the great state of Michigan. And you guessed it, we're pulling recruits out of Ohio as well, just like Harbaugh. Thank you very much. So no matter where life is taking you after your time in Ann Arbor, we're here to help you build a plan you can trust. If you're looking for a second opinion, visit us at peakwm.com slash blog today. Hey, fellow Michigan fans, this is Matt Demarest, realtor and lender. For a decade now, you've heard me on the podcast talk about mortgages, and I've helped hundreds of fellow Michigan fans in that capacity, including Brian and Seth. But many of you don't know I'm a real estate broker as well. I promise to make buying, selling, or financing homes simple and cost-effective anywhere in the state of Michigan. Whether you're upsizing, downsizing, buying a vacation home, or building a real estate investment portfolio, send me a text or give me a call. It's never too early to make a plan, and the call is always free. My number is 734-882-8194. Again, 734-882-8194. Or you can find me online at realtorandlender.com. That's realtorandlender.com. Whether you want to buy, sell, or finance a home, or even all three, I promise to provide the experience so many of you have come to expect over the years. And as always, thank you, and go blue. NMLS 1011726, Equal Housing Lender. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. I can't believe I'm doing this. If you find yourself in the penalty box, you want a Michigan man arguing your case, call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul tonight. It's 248 and 924 9458. Or visit his old website at michiganlawgrad.com.
Welcome back to MGO Radio 9.3. Now is the time on the show when we talk about the last look back at the previous game, which I've completely forgotten. All who, was, who was our previous opponent, Brian? <laughs> we just played. I, 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 think it was, I think it was like the generic opponent you get when you don't license uh, an ad. <laughs> and so... You know, you get like they're like they're like the the thunder chunks or something. I forget the, or- the orange brownsman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it was Bowling Green, and of course everybody remembers all the interceptions business, and those have been discussed to death. So I don't think we really need to go over that again. Um, a couple of things uh, did kind of stick out from the running game. One, I it was confirmed that Michigan completely dumped zone stretch out of the offense after the first one. So you know, maybe that was an experiment that they just decided is we're not going to do it anymore. I, I imagine it'll come back at some point later, but uh, probably well, as a change up instead of something they're trying to run on 40% of their snaps. And it's going to be more like a slurve than a change up, just like a, you know, every once in a very long while, we'll just bring this thing out and yeah. hope to catch somebody like just, you know, throwing their defensive tackles upfield. It's just, there's so many other ways to attack it. And I mean, <laughs> You well, started the, the first power run, and it's like everybody does their job. Yay! Right, and, and it is very difficult to process everything mentally when you're running stretch. And so the stretch that they ran didn't work because I'm pretty sure AJ Barner needed to do something with a guy uh, diving inside of him. But often on stretch, when a guy dives inside of you, it's like, okay, that's not my problem. That's someone else's problem. Hmm. But Hinton couldn't pick that guy up because he had a guy slanting to him. So. A guy goes direct to the backfield. Bredesen picks him off, but then all your front side gaps are gone. Right. So it has kind of felt through the first three games that when Michigan runs power, it's like, oh, yeah, we've got this down, whatever. Uh, yeah. And then when they run zone, it's like not everybody's screwing up, but enough people are screwing up. So there's usually one guy on every play, and that's all it takes. So the consistency with which they're able to execute, that just isn't there. And I don't think it's going to be there this season. Um couple other things that stood out is that both Barner and Bredesen had very good games as blockers. I am optimistic about how that's going to translate to the Big Ten because, you know, you see guys like Loveland and they're in the way and they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're, you know, Jake Butt tight ends. Good enough, but nothing that's going to really move the needle. The way Barner is moving people and staying attached to people when they try to shed, I think is really good. And then I thought, I think Bredesen has been excellent. So some early concerns after game one about, well, what's going to happen without Schoonmaker? I think those have probably been addressed, and we're going to need to see it against some better defenses, of course. But all those signs are are pointing in the right direction. Um, And then everybody's going to wonder, like, okay, what about this Hinton-Henderson situation? Honestly, I continue (laughs) not to get what is going on at tackle because Hinton was fine. Yeah, he didn't have a pass. He didn't have a pass pro minus. He had one uh, bad minus two play where he fell over, but I think he got his uh, feet uh, tangled up with Zinter. That'll yeah. happen. Other than that, he's playing pretty decent. They bring in Henderson. Henderson does have one nice combo block, but he also gets shot back in the backfield on a power play that contributes to that play not really doing very well. So um, didn't chart much else from him and. We are making the assumption that he's probably going to start this week because they made the change. They put him in front of the media. It just kind of feels like he's going to play. Hmm. Um, but I couldn't tell you what the thinking is. I I do think that Hinton 
probably has a hard cap this season, and I would prefer it if it was Henderson because I think Henderson is closer to being all there, and I think he can probably pass protect because his arms are freaky long. So I'm I'm hoping that he plays at left tackle in this game and plays well. We'll see. And as far as everything else, yeah. yeah i i mean i think there was one point where you got you're like okay this this run doesn't work because the safeties are coming up and michigan doesn't care and i'm not mad because this game is over and they just need to kill some time right here yeah i mean there was one kind of weird occurrence where keegan started basically blocking the back of hinton and that led to but we've we've seen them do this like a gap run thing and i think he was expecting that hinton was gonna just kind of post his guy up, but he crushed him, and so he, he'll adapt to that, and he'll he'll figure it out. It's not it's not a problem. Yeah, I thought. Other than that, both Keegan and Zinter were um, at the levels you would hope they would be. And Barnhart, he had a, he had a solid game uh, aside from the pass protection issue on the first JJ interception. Um, defense. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, before we get to defense, I, I wanted your thoughts on the running backs because Corum looked like Corum oh again. well. Yeah, Cor- Corum got back to what we expect out of him. Uh-huh. So on that first play, they get him to the safety, and then that safety gets <laughs> dusted. Right. And he was able to make those slaloming cuts that are his trademark and then grind out yards after taking contact. Uh, I don't – I think I may have had a half minus on that, on that power play because I thought he um, cut away from defenders – into other defenders where he could have gotten four or five and got one. But other than that, um, <clears throat> he looks like he's back. Uh, Edwards, eh, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> I, I didn't really see a whole lot of opportunity for Edwards to do good or bad in this game. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought he, he did fine with his carries and he's still coming along. I do think um, <clears throat> the two back offense, I want to see more of that because when they send those guys in flare motion, <clears throat> that is really drawing the attention of linebackers. And so there is one, uh, I think it was an Edwards carry mm-hmm. where JJ corrects a mistake from last week where he's looking at the linebacker and the linebacker does not commit to the power play and he hands it off. And that guy is just stationary the whole play. And that's the best thing for a linebacker to be. Right. <laughs> well, Great from an offensive they're... standpoint, from a defensive standpoint, you're like, you know, we, we, we've charted OB as, as enough. <laughs> Wow. Gary Nova and Obieza were just (laughs) that kind of podcast. All right. Were there any, was there anything to to draw from for the defense here? I mean, they're, they're starting quarterback doesn't even play their second string corner quarterback throws a couple of nice passes that the receivers make a couple, you know, great catches on. I ding Sanger still for being two steps behind, but we've seen Sanger still be two steps behind and knock the ball out before it. There was, I mean, there's just not a whole lot out there. Um, Michigan was trying to play their switch coverages a little bit, and they were leaving some uh, tight ends uncovered. I covered that in next Sharpies where, you know, they, they have a tell if they're going to be screwing around with their coverage. And Bowling Green was able to kind of point that out and figure it out and get the ball to the right guy and give themselves a chance at uh, converting third and 15. Um, Houseman kind of com- came in graded a little uh, worse than he has in the first couple of games. And he was just – you talked about being, you know, standing still as a linebacker. He, that's what he was doing. He was standing still. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, so, I mean, one thing that I think you might be able to take from this game is uh, Junior Colson came out pretty mm-hmm. well. Yes. And this was a game where 
know, he's got to go tackle in space. He's got to go find guys. Uh, and then in the second half, he's got to go clean up a bunch of stuff on counters. So I felt like, you know, we're looking for signs that Colson is maturing into a, you know, an NFL linebacker. Yeah. And this is some indication I that mean, he might. I, I'm like, I think I wrote, "What does this mean?" Because like it was a ten, like a, <clears throat> it was a right. really good score. I think that because Bowling Green was not going to attack anything mid level. If they were throwing the ball, they were throwing it in the flats, or they were chucking it downfield if they got man coverage. That was it. It was just like, you know not in the face offense, and that right. really plays into Colson's strengths because he doesn't have to sit to drop back and cover or really worry about dropping back and covering. He can either focus on one guy, and I think he's a great man cover guy because he has the athleticism of like a slot safety. Like he is, you know, he is up there in the hybrid space player level of athleticism, if not pure safety ability to cover guys in man to man. His issue has always just been, you know, covering grass. And I just, there was no time, there was really no drop back that he was attacked in zone coverage this game. So I'm waiting to see that before I'm like, yay, this has happened. But like, you know, this is another game where he's turned out very positively. And I hope, really hope that this is a sign that he's there. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Not really a whole lot else to take, I imagine. So we'll head to a break, come back, and we've got a very special gimmicky top five. Coming up. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom-printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. Passion for e-commerce. Sell stuff online. Security. Performance. Conversion. Beautiful user experiences. Bella experience. Utilizator. Monthly marketing. PPC SEO. Make your user a customer. Conversion. Audio perfume for online retailers. Love your website. Let Human Elements show you how. Available at human-element.com and find department stores, not find department stores. Pinewood Organics is Ann Arbor's only cannabis microbusiness for adults 21 and older. They're a grower, processing lab, and dispensary rolled into one, cultivating and producing flour, old-school hash, edibles, CBD products, and more. You can find them across the street from Kroger on South Maple, just west of downtown, and at winewoodorganics.com. Veterans and MedCard holders save 10% on all orders, and first-time customers save 25% as long as you're not wearing scarlet and gray. 
Here's a thing people say. Seth, tell me about your insurance. I'm actually glad you asked me about that because I just changed my insurance and I'm really happy I did. Let me guess. You use Phil Klein and Owen Rosen of the Phil Klein Insurance Group. They are MGO blog readers and they don't advertise during football games. And they've got a five-star rating on anything you would care to see. Call Owen at 248-682-7445 or visit them online at philkleininsurance.com. Welcome back to MGO Radio 9.3. We'd like to thank Darren James for providing our interstitial music today. And now we welcome in Bry Mack, our opponent watch slash <laughs> counterpunt impresario, who uh, labeled himself the Rutgers expert as soon as he popped on here. And I asked him what decisions he had made in his life to arrive at this juncture. I, I, I kind of, it's kind of like uh, you see someone like in the Olympics doing the ski jump from Antigua and Barbuda. It's like, Someone showed up and had skis, <laughs> and they just let him do it because no one else, no one else wanted it. So that's that's basically how I how I came to become the Rutgers expert on the internet. So this is not relevant to anything, but I, I was in Europe and I was in a bar and they had ski jumping up uh, on. And usually when you see ski jumping in the Olympic, it's like, okay, here's a guy jumping, and here's a guy jumping, and here's a guy jumping because they're just cutting it all together. What an actual ski jump competition is is some guy goes on a jump and then you wait for five minutes so that the wind is okay. <laughs> it was the it was the least interesting sporting event I could even conceive of. Because the, the ski jumping is not interesting anyway. Like, right. I, it's not a real approachable sport. Like it's, Everybody does exactly the, the same, same thing. thing. Yeah. And it was like, here's a five-hour block of programming. They must not have wrestling or something in, in Europe because they got <laughs> ski jumping instead. Anyway. We got a gimmicky top five that are things that are better than we give them credit for. Ski jumping is not one of them. <laughs> Dang it. That was my number three. So, Seth, you're number five. Titanic. The movie Titanic. I watched it again recently. And I, I remember this thing being like people got so like just bored of this movie or so like sick of like the, the marketing or whatever it was about the about this movie that just made everybody. But, I mean, it's incredibly memeable. It is... A really good story. The acting is much better than I think the the jokes. I'll give them credit for. Leo is just fantastic in that whole thing, and the like. The CGI did, did holds up the, till today. <laughs> did you get like lost on the way to the view? <laughs> oh my god. I'm yeah. saying the movie well, Titanic like, is just like it's it's kind of entered the, the pop if, culture as like this is annoying to us. Eyeliner, Seth. You're in. <laughs> You're gonna hate number four You're too. On the wrong but number five is Titan is movie Titanic because I just remember that movie just getting an epic ton of shit for like from 1998 until it just became part of pop culture that we shit on the movie Titanic and it's a good movie. Alex, you're number five. Broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know there's a lot of people out there that often make it seem like broccoli is like a bad. Uh, food that like you have to bribe children to eat and those children are wrong it has <laughs> first of all extremely nutritious all that good stuff kids but do also, not like, care about nutrition this is not helping there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of things you can do with it you can eat it raw you can grill it you can steam it like there's a lot of different ways you can consume it you can put you know cheese on it you can put you know dip it in ranch there's a lot of different things you can do with it and 
I've always enjoyed it. I eat broccoli a lot, so that's this is my answer. Al hey, Alex, man. was that your first ever actual? No, it's the children who are wrong. And was that live on radio? <laughs> I, I actually liked broccoli as a kid too. Like I, I you know, no, I was I, disagreeing I, with my peers at that time. It is good. Like, Cheese sauce. It's okay. Uh, I'm, I, you know, it's okay. I like this for two reasons. One, it reinforces Alex's status as the oldest twenty-something in the history of the universe. <laughs> and two, I agree. I agree. The kid, my kids eat broccoli. We put cheese on it. It's good. I got. I've always got broccoli around. It's a. It's a. It's a way to consume food. Anyway, uh, Brian, you're number five. The BCS. Ooh. Ooh it wasn't. I, I mean, yeah. we, we kind of look back on it as you know, laughing at it, but they generally got the right matchups. Um, and it didn't affect the regular season the way I think the four team or the twelve team playoff does. It doesn't have those same, you know. Right now, the four team you have certain certain yeah. desires to to manipulate your schedule or do this or that because of what you know. The four team playoff. I don't think the BCS did that. And people like to crap on the you know ooh, the computers, but that's basically what we do with SP Plus and FEI and all of these you know advanced metrics. We're just better at it now. But I, I think generally compared to where rest of the playoff stuff has taken us i don't think the bcs was that bad all right my number five is tater tots and chicken nuggets kid food kind of generally like peanut butter and jelly you don't eat that when you're an adult until you have children and oh. one of your ch one of your child children child <laughs> one of your little rug rats we're gonna go with that leaves half a peanut butter sandwich or leaves some tater tots on a plate and you're like well i'm not gonna <laughs> waste these and then you're like hey this isn't bad this is you know, it's not the best food I've ever had, but you know, people are always like, "Oh, trash it." I was like, "No, it's there's it's kids like it for a reason." There are many ways to fry potatoes, and I would say that that's probably near the bottom, though. What? Oh. A tater tot? A tater tot? Like, is a tater tot nice, better than a wedge? Little tater... Is it better than a French yes. fry? Yes. No. Um. No. I think tater tots are close to French fries, but wedges? Yeah, no way. There's no way. Oh. No wedge. Get out of here, Seth. <laughs> Seth, you're number four. I hate all mine. Number, number four is UCLA. I don't hate that. That's fine. I mean, like, the, the, the they kind of waltzed in the conference as, like, oh, yeah, and UCA, you know, USC brought a buddy. But, like, yeah. we're going to get to go and play games in the Rose Bowl, which is anyone who's been there agrees it's gorgeous. Um, which, you know, if we get a game there in November or something like that, you get to, like, go and take, like, a mid-November trip to California. That would be kind of nice. Um their basketball program still has more championships than everybody. I know that they did that all back in the before time, oh. but we know schools who do that. Um, their uh, their baseball program is like the best in the country, and like we'll get all their transfers because they want to stay in conference or something. Like the you know UCLA is a really a really solid ad, and I know it kind of destroys everyone's conferences and whatnot. But compared to some other schools that the Big Ten has added, I would say UCLA is a pretty good get. Well, the, the problem with with UCLA basketball is they're basically like fancy Rutgers. They they just play really bad basketball really well, and I'm not. I don't want to add that to. Well, let me tell you something about Michigan basketball this year, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I have to. I have if to watch problem, them. I don't have to watch. If the your other problem team. is fancy Rutgers, I have some news for you coming up in our bye week when we talk about the basketball <laughs> team. <laughs> Alex, you're number four. Uh, I'm going to go with the Olympics. There are a lot of people that are like, ah, eh, we don't care about the Olympics, whatever. And that's certainly been a thing in recent years. But I'll just be honest. It is still an elite two weeks of sports for me. Like it, the ability to have, especially 
if it's in a, a random time zone, you can get all those tape delayed broadcasts at random times of sports you don't care about. And you turn it on. A lot of them are really good. And there's entertainment from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed. You see a lot of sports you don't normally see. A lot of them are a lot of fun. And I've got no complaints. It's, it's, a, it's a blast. I'm already looking forward to, to next summer. I like the short track speed skating. I think more people should be able to win gold medals by not being in a car crash. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, you're number four. Domino's Pizza. I don't okay. think it's that bad. I mean, it, it's it's never great when you have to have an ad campaign that's, you know, <laughs> sorry, our food sucks. But I think it, it's it's actually, the pizza's good, and like a lot of the stuff they have on the side now is also pretty good. So compared to its reputation, I don't think it's that bad. All right. I mean, it's... It, it is good that when Dave Brandon left, they're like, "All right, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta tell people that <laughs> we're sorry that we suck so much, and we're gonna change it." Yeah, it, it, I mean, it helps that they literally helps that they ditch Dave Brandon just from an emotional standpoint. That yes, no, this is this is better. You know, that's what people should. This would be a hot take that everyone should hire Dave Brandon for like just a, a month, and then everyone's just gonna love. You know, you could be like the most blah guy afterwards and everyone's just gonna be like thank you for not being dave brandon thank you for not serving the pizza that dave brandon served yes okay the, the toys r us tried that and uh <laughs> have you been to a, have you been to a toys r us lately i don't i don't think you can go to a toys r us anymore <laughs> that is yeah, that, that is the other use for dave brandon <laughs> if you need to hire somebody that everyone's gonna hate because you're just gonna hire him to raid everybody's uh retirements then that's the guy to do it my number four is pork butt it's a dollar fifty a pound a lot of the time. What are we doing as a society where something you can make into delicious chili or pulled pork is a dollar fifty a pound? It, it's it's incredibly versatile, and if you get the the collagen to 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 melt, it's amazing. And it's the cheapest meat you can purchase almost. It's I like uh, that your I like that your two food items are ready in thirty seconds. You have to cook it for seventeen hours. <laughs> but I I work at home. I can cook things for seventeen hours all day. It's not a problem. I guess if you're in one of those hectic go go lifestyles, you gotta wake up and shave and put on a suit. Well, then maybe pork butt's not for you. But I pity you, sir, because it is a fine food stuff indeed. Seth, you're number three. My number three, uh, Alex, this is why your original one sucked. It's Brussels sprouts. <laughs> Brussels sprouts have a bad rap because first, when they engineered all, they, they found ways to engineer all the food to be able to grow like 10 times more in the same amount of space. This is what they had to do. Figure out how to do it in the 50s and 60s with basically everything that people eat. When they did it with Brussels sprouts, they forgot to, to like make sure they tasted good. And for years... Every, like for generations, everyone just learned that Brussels sprouts taste bad. They don't. They fixed it. They fixed the problem. And now you can put them in an air fryer, and they are amazing. You can boil them. They're still good. They are way sweeter than they used to be. They are better for you than uh, than broccoli. And like they just have a bad rap because like for a generation, we were eating badly genetically modified Brussels sprouts. I just want to know how many other varietals of Brassica olerica can we get into this podcast? <laughs> Does anyone have cauliflower on their list? I was just going to say cauliflower sucks. If anybody if anybody stands cauliflower, I'm out. Cauliflower, wow. I, cauliflower is that's, awful. That, that's among my color. strongest opinions. <laughs> wow, I, I, I guess I got to put cauliflower <laughs> on my list because I like cauliflower. You guys are... are there we um, are. Alex, you're number three. Uh, Twitter. This is a lot of people... <laughs> A lot of people are until like uh, you get to get, get charged for it in like a few months, which yeah. Just so announced. that's the like, that's the thing that 
that's the thing is that if you know they do start charging a, a fee to use on a monthly basis, it'll be a bummer because I don't think it can be necessarily recreated elsewhere. And for all of the bad parts and the weird bubbleish nature of Twitter as a you know discourse circle, the networks, uh, especially around sports of people that all watch a certain team and interact, it's actually a lot of fun. And I've met some cool people from Twitter. I've learned a lot of things about sports and other topics. There's also a lot of genuinely very funny people on Twitter. There's bad parts, but there's also a lot of good parts. And if it goes away, it will be a bit of a bummer. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. That's uh, yeah, it's the best place to find. Like I am, I don't, I obsessively look for information about the Ukraine war and Twitter <laughs> is usually the, the best place for that. There's like the guy who like has the thread about tires and you're like, wow, I'm reading about tires. <laughs> it's like a 30 tweet thread and I'm enjoying this. What, what other, what other service could possibly hook you up with the tire guy? I don't know. Brian, you're number three, James Franklin. <laughs> Okay. Sure. Yeah, I mean, he's he's very bad at like the very visible public stuff on game day, which is why I love making fun of James Franklin as much as anybody. But for the rest of the stuff, he's actually pretty good. He's he's good recruiter. Is like his makes seems to make good hires. Like he doesn't. He seems to be pretty good at most of the like of most of the stuff that makes a good college football coach. And I, I'm okay with them locking in like a B plus coach from now until the end of time. My number three is walking. <laughs> Started doing a lot of it as an exercise or as just a mode of transportation. Uh, you know, whatever. So like, I, you know, the school's kind of a couple miles away. So I walk to pick up the kids and walk them home. Get, you know, an hour and change. And usually the weather's decent. And there's like occasionally like big pieces of uh, snow you can throw into a river. There's all kinds of things that happen when you're walking that never happen when you're in a car because you're just in this hermetically sealed environment. So I walk them home and we go to a park and all that stuff. And it's, it's, you're outside. And do you know what happens when you're outside like for at least like an hour or so every day? You feel better. Just feel better. So go, go walk around, people. It's good. Seth, you're number two. My number two is air, airplane pilots, specifically for airliners. Like you, you, we, we treat these guys like they're bus drivers. Like you're going to get like, they're just going to, their safety record is ridiculously high. And we take it for granted that they're actually like some of the most highly trained professionals on the planet. And there are situations like every single day at various airports that are fixed because the pilot just does the right thing or makes the right move. Imagine like if quarterbacks had to be like that perfect because all these people's lives were. And then every once in a while you get the story of like something that bad happened and the pilot is just like, yep, I'm just going to land this thing, you know. Right in the in, in the in the harbor and next to New York City, and it's going to be fine. And like those guys are are dudes. And uh, remember the guy who saved like the the Michigan basketball team? Like he had to pull something crazy in order to like fix that. Like they just they get thrown so many curveballs, and they knock every single one of them out of the park and have to. And there's just a ridiculously great record that should not exist of safety because these guys are just you know awesome at what they do. And we should appreciate our not- pilots more. This does not apply to Russian pilots. No. <laughs> <laughs> there's like that. There's like one of the other things I do in my spare time because I'm a normal person is I read about airline crashes. Uh huh. And there's one where like there's some Russian pilot who lets his kid take the stick and he kills everybody, <laughs> which doesn't so, feel like it should be I, possible. But I mean, shout shout out to whoever that Russian pilot was that agreed to fly the uh, the breakaway leader guys. Uh, 
plane over Russia. I mean, right. the fact that they got shot, the fact they got shot down was like the least surprising airplane crash in the history of airplane crashes. Yeah. I, Alex, I was, yeah. you're Alex, you're number two. Driving through the countryside. Okay. This is a, uh, you know, a lot of people that don't really like driving that much. And I certainly, I'm not a big fan of like driving through downtown Chicago or places like that. That's extremely infuriating, but a drive through just like a nice open area or through, you know, the woods, just like, it's one of the most calming experiences. Like I've had that, you get stressed, you just get in the car, go for a nice little drive, put some good music on. It's actually genuinely extremely relaxing. And I, I, I recommend it. Guessing I, that you've uh, never driven across country before. I've what? driven large distances. There's, there's a once you get to the Dakotas. So we we drove cross country in college, and we came out of well, it he, with a song called "I Won't Cry When I Leave South Dakota." Well, he's not he's not saying that you should like drive through Nebraska. <laughs> I'm just saying there's like like, a, like up to a four hour drive without kids. Up to a four he's hour like, drive can be relaxing. Like, oh, but let's, like, it's... let's go on some back roads with some nice scenery and stuff. He's not like sure. Okay, here's I a can... corn. Here's Here's yeah, four a, hours. A, rela- a relaxing field. jaunt, not yeah. driving sure. through the entire state of Indiana. I, yeah. I, I am I am waiting with bated breath to hear whether Alex's number one is Cribbage or Werther's Originals. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, you're number two. The band Nickelback. <laughs> what? Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I do not like them at all. You're, I you're going full <laughs> here. They, they get a they get a bad rap for being basically what a lot of other bands are and like the entire country music industry is right now. Like it's not good. It's, it's milk toast. It's boring. My wife will like uh, kill bill exploding palm technique, the radio, as soon as that comes on the radio, but compared to like 50 other bands, I don't think they're that different. I mean, it, it, it's, they get a disproportionate amount of crap for just being mediocre. They're they're Domino's the rock band, and I think the whole point of rock music is no, supposed no, to no, no, be no. like Domino's is edible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like any any one Nickelback song, like it's it's fine. I don't like it, it's I don't. I'm happy when the song's over, but I'm not going to. There's a comedian out there who the does like this whole thing on Guy Fieri, and that, Guy Fieri was on my list and, and fell off it because he's actually a much better dude than people realize. Yeah, um, I and think like, at this point, everybody knows Guy Fieri is a mensch. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but like the same kind of thing where like you know people he just kind of they they I agree that they just got dogged a lot, right? Like they became like a a joke that you just make fun of this person, even though they're just kind of just doing a thing. But rock music is supposed to be edgy, and if like you're not doing anything interesting, like there's no point to it. That's I think what I think what it comes from is everyone who ever wanted to be in a band and, and like make money making music is like why 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 are we spending time on this i feel like not enough of our opprobrium is directed at creed <laughs> i can, <laughs> I can kind of get on board with like directing redirecting some of the nickelback hatred to creed i, I assume right. they were sufficiently hated I, I i don't think i've ever met anybody who's like oh creed turn that up <laughs> all right i'm going back to food from nine mr two number two bone-in chicken thighs also, one of the cheapest meats you can purchase at a store. Completely impossible to screw up. You can overcook lots of different meats. You almost literally cannot overcook a bone-in chicken thigh. In fact, if you really want it to be good, you got to put it on there for hours and hours and hours and get like you know jerk chicken, whatever that stuff. But they're like a dollar a pound, and you put them on the grill and you grill them indirect with some smoke packs, and it's delicious every time. It's stupid easy. It's stupid cheap. 
I don't know. What's wrong with America? What's wrong with America? <laughs> Seth, you're number one. My number one is the MGO blog message board. Okay. Because, <laughs> you know, Go on. we've, <laughs> you know, we, we've, we've made mentions sometimes and they're, and they're an internet message board. So there are people that react the way that people would on the internet message board. But we've been years cleaning that place up. We've kicked people off and they've, and they've, they've come back, they've come back nicer. And if we've had to kick them off a second time, they've come back even nicer than that. The bots have even gotten nicer. They, you know, they, they, they almost sound like humans now. The, There's no bots. We've charged people to sign up. <laughs> yeah. There's no bots. No, but like, that's, that's the point. We've been trying, like, because you charge, we charge people to sign up and it's been that like that for a while. The, Yahoo's have gone away, and we've had a few threads recently where something quasi-political got brought up, or something that like normally would just be an absolute shit show was not. And I've been pleasantly surprised quite a few times now that like you know the most annoying thing that happens on the message board is somebody posts a comment as its own thread. But other than that, it's kind of the pleasantry out there, and I and I appreciate that we have like a really comparatively good message board versus you know. Every other place I ever go on the internet. <laughs> Alex, you're number one. Uh, let's go with water. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm guessing that Brian called you out on Wordless Original and you had to change the first one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, look, a lot of people they go to they go to restaurants, they go wherever, and they always want to get you know various soft drinks, alcoholic drinks, etc. But you really think about it, water is is pretty good. It's, you know, it's there at any time you want. It's always free. Quenches your thirst. Hot day. Come inside. Nice cold glass of water. And again, it's totally free. What can beat that? It's not <laughs> totally free. It's not free. You, you do have to pay the water bill. They, they will eventually shut your water off. That is true. <laughs> but you also, you know, you pay the water bill for showering and other things, too. And, and then you get the little offspurt that you can drink it, too. <laughs> Brian, you're number one. I, I couldn't even imagine that it was going to be. <laughs> you could have given me a lot of. I thought you were going to go like metaphysical with that. You're like, you know, well, you know most most planets the don't have water, no. water like, no, it's just, all over it's just the over the surface. Like, <laughs> I mean, right. mine's, my my number one's pretty obvious, uh, but it's John L. Smith. Oh, I mean, same number of Big Ten wins as Mel Tucker. Same number <laughs> of bowl games at Michigan State as Mel Tucker. Same number of twenty point or of uh, double digit losses as Mel Tucker. But that whole experience, the whole four years, plus the, the two years of a buyout, under $8 million. <laughs> so, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, you're getting a pretty good, you're getting a pretty good deal there. Um, plus, his whole thing was blowing massive leads against really good teams. When was the last time Michigan State had a massive lead against a really good team? Like that, the, the thing where the, the uh, Ohio State blocked the kick at halftime, they were up three at halftime against Ohio State. Yeah. When was the last time that happened? Yeah, recently. My number one is Gnomes. I was hearing about dwarves and you know hobbits. Hobbits are crazy all the rage, but like nobody's ever given dapping up the gnomes, you know? They're good with gizmos. Short. They got hats. What what's their what what more do you need? Give it up for gnomes. Do you, do you, have, do you have a gnome power ranking? Like is David the Gnome still number one or are there other gnomes out there? Uh I don't know who David the Gnome is, but sure. I it was yeah, okay. It was a Nickelodeon show. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 20, I, I, 20, I was he, unfamiliar. He he unfamiliar. rode a fox. There was a whole, yeah. There was a whole thing. Gnomes. I gotta. We gotta get some like 
Peter Jackson to have like a trilogy about gnomes, and then they'll get their their. I, I think dessert, their problem their is that they uh, they don't make very good D and D characters. So, but why not? They they got night vision. <laughs> <laughs> Although dwarves also have night vision, so but like they're it. I think you know way more about D and D than I thought you did. <laughs> what? <laughs> how can you possibly be surprised at how much I know about D and D? Are gnomes are gnomes in D and D? Do they have like a yeah? It's, okay, what? So they what? Get, so get, you tell us. How come they're not? Do they have like a bad run speed or something? Well, they're they're small and then they're physically weak. But and uh, yeah, but I, I mean, it's been a while. So, but okay. I'm pretty sure they're good at illusion magic, which right. is what Mel Tucker <laughs> <laughs> needs coming up for his lawsuit. Or is just like ah, psh, psh, and then he gets eighty million dollars. Call up some gnomes, Mel Tucker. <laughs> All right, I think that's the end of this podcast. <laughs> Pretty definitively ended at this point. Yeah, uh, although you know we have that thirty-second outro, so now you have to figure out something to say. Right, for seconds. you got you got you got to anticipate that I'm gonna go on some. I normally do, but Mel like Tucker. you seem like once, you had once a lot you get to, to Mel Tucker gnomes, that's when the outro music. Yeah, starts. like it's 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 clear. Yeah, you seem like you had a lot to say about gnomes. I wasn't gonna like I force do. you out I of do. here. <laughs> I do. Oh, yo, 10 seconds to tell well, we everybody have, your thoughts about gnomes. We have advertisers, so I want to keep them, so maybe we'll stop there. All right. Travelocity, if you're out there. Boris is a mayor and a land surveyor with plans of his own. He hates Aruska. He hates a vodka bandit from his home. He hates Aruska. Aruska. Vodka. vodka. He never drank a single drop. He hates Aruska.